Welcome to The Well, where we get together and talk about life, death, and everything in between. I'm Pastor Carrie, and my favorite screwdriver head is a Phillips. My name is Jay, and my favorite cereal is Golden Grahams. My name is Tim, and my favorite topping is whipped topping. Fantastic. Pastor Tim, I think you might have a joke for us today. I do. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I don't know if many know this since we're all biblical scholars. Did you know what type of man Boaz was before he got married? No. no. Please he was tell ruthless. Us. Ruthless. Oh, no. That assumes a, a large amount of biblical knowledge. Boaz's yeah, wife was Ruth, and they were the grandparents of David, the king of Israel. Yeah. <laughs> Read your Bible. <laughs> yeah, definitely crickets on that one. All right. Wonderful. Well, it's great it- to be back with you guys. I have missed it, and it's wonderful to be back around this table. Um, we are going to go ahead and call Mel. Mel is the guy who lives in the well. And so, Mel, why don't you go ahead and come on up here? Oh, he's got to get up there. All right. There he is. Hi, Mel. Say hello to everybody. Hey, Mel. Hey, Mel. How's it going? Good, good. Now, Mel lives in a well at the bottom, actually in a little antechamber at the bottom of a well. And so he, for thousands of years, has heard lots of conversations that people have had on and around and near that well. And he writes them all down just in case someone would need a topic to discuss at some point. So he's going to go down and get us a topic and see what he comes up with. You ready to go, Mel? All right. Go ahead, buddy. Get us a good one now. Oh, yeah. Swimming around pretty good there. Time to lay jump. Here he comes. <laughs> well, it's a long well. It takes yeah, a long time to get to the bottom. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, it looks like he's got one. Okay, he's coming on up. All right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right. There we go. Oldest child zero. Oh, my gosh. I know. Thank All you right. so much, Mel. Thanks, Mel. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. Mel, Mel brought us a paragraph this time. Ooh. Ooh. So no wonder he went down so deeply into the yeah, well. I think he went for it. Okay. So it cannot be denied that too often the weight of the Christian movement has been on the side of the strong and the powerful and against the weak and oppressed. This despite the gospel. This was said by Howard Thurman. So discuss the sad irony of this statement. Is there hope for this narrative to change? There's always hope. And that's what we live by. But my experience over my years of ministry is that the gospel for and to the poor and outcast has been set aside in favor of the gospel of the powerful and the wealthy. Even if you just look at how popular the um, theology of prosperity, prosperity gospel is right now, um, ignores and almost in a pharisaical way puts aside the caring of the poor outcast and the downtrodden which is what the gospel calls us to i hope that this will change but as i live my life it's not gotten any better and it's gotten worse 
What do you, what do you think? <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, what a powerful uh, statement that is. Uh, and Howard Thurman, I would uh, highly recommend uh, anything yes. that he wrote. He mm. was a, um, I, I don't know if you want to say one of the first African-American theologians, but sort of one of the first really, really widely read celebrated. Mm. Um, and, and his stuff is just so amazingly powerful. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's the golden rule, right? That those are the gold make the rules. And that happens with every every movement, every movement that gains steam and gains, gains power, all of a sudden you have a whole structure that whose well-being and livelihood uh, depends on the structure itself. And so instead of spreading the gospel to those who need it, uh, the institution um, builds um, equity for itself and security mm. for itself and consolidates its power because that's what institutions tend to do when they're big like that. Um, so I also think that there's hope. And I think in context of this question, I would want to say with humans, this is impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. Right. Yeah. It, there's been this uh, quote kind of rolling around my brain for quite a while. Um, and said that, I don't know exactly who first said it, but the paraphrase of it is that the church should be a place where the comfortable are afflicted and the afflicted become comfortable. Yeah. And I, that came to mind right away when, when reading this quote from Howard Thurman. And I think where, where the tension that I'm sitting in is I think there's a lot of Christians that hear that quote or hear this quote from Howard Thurman and say, yeah. And then we get together as a system or institution and the, but if we do that, what if that that could cause this to happen or um, like making people who are comfortable or in power in the church uncomfortable is a really hard thing. And, and I think this brings that up. Um, and it makes me think a little bit, um, recently we were doing a lesson for confirmation on the parables of Jesus. And, um, one of the parables we looked at in our small groups for confirmation, um, was the parable of, I think it's widely known as the good Samaritan. And, um, just thinking of that, like Jesus told this story very specifically to, um, show that people in power were not stopping on the side of the road. And those that were seen as way less than were. Um, and so um, I think I think it's clear what Jesus would say about it. Uh, it becomes hard when we start to put all of our humanness around it, I guess, right? right? In collective humanity. That's right. So I have more questions than answers, I think. I think it's a great thing to hope for and work yeah. towards. I think as leaders, we should take that stance. I think a hard part, though, is church been dealing with it for a millennia plus. I mean, 352, when Constantine came in and made the uh, Christianity the, the religion of the realm, it's been the religion of the powerful. Yes, there have been That's folks right. who have stood up against that. But unfortunately, in my experience in looking at history, whenever that's done, uh, including one of the students of Howard Thurman, Martin Luther King Jr., it leads to the cross. Yeah. It leads mm -hmm. to death. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, and for everyone, power corrupts. It just does, right? We, we don't even really know why, but it does. So the second you get that power, 
Yeah, it's really hard to resist. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right, Mel, how are you feeling about another swim, buddy? A, a little more shallow this time. <laughs> yeah. A little more shallow? Okay, got it, he says. All right, here he goes. Oh, yeah, he did kind of. There we go. All right, looks like he's got one. Here he comes. There we go. All right, thank you, Mel. Did, did Mel listen? True or false, <laughs> one cannot critique a religious tradition unless one has been a faithful adherent of it. Have you ever felt that your life was in danger? Oops, is that two put together by mistake? Yeah, I think it is. So let's maybe just take <laughs> Your one. life be in danger if you did one of those things? No. I, know. I think you like, can wow. put together. Let's go. Uh, true uh, or false, <laughs> one cannot critique a religious tradition without... Unless one has been faithful adherent of it. Oh, it's me first. That's right. Um, it, it definitely makes me think of uh, Barbara Brown Taylor's amazing book, Holy Envy, um, when she does make some points that are very similar to this. And one of the things that she says is don't compare your religion's best with someone else's religion's worst. Um, and how do you know bests and worsts unless you've actually been a practitioner of it, right? So I feel like what this question is sort of leading, leading us to do is to stay humble, uh, to embrace our humility and the fact that we, in our humanness, in our creatureliness, don't know everything. And we certainly don't know the heart and mind and intention of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say about that one. So I, I'd say when 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 speaking about other like religions, um, I would I would agree. Um, well, you're saying um, my mind went to uh, questioning or critiquing things within our own religion, mm-hmm. um, and wondering where I'm feeling like I don't know if I could say true or false, right? Like. A little bit in the gray there, because although I I do um, you know I, I I do consider myself a Christian I I want to um, you know live live according to uh, Christ and uh, at the same time like there are things with within my own life but also within Christianity that like I am going to stand up um, against or or make make a statement on or or be sometimes because I've experienced it or sometimes because I've watched how it's hurt someone else. So I, um, if it's hurt someone else in my life, I maybe haven't been an adherent to it, but also I, I think I would be ready to question it. So that's why I'm like, I kind of want to live in the gray, but I also don't, I think this statement is true when it comes to, um, you know, speaking of other religions, um, for sure. I would say that, but I would say in all religious traditions, there are some practices that are done that are life-taking or um, unhealthy, and that those should be lifted up um, and critiqued, even if I'm not an adherent of it. If I, you know, I think of uh, the situation with that group, who's into polygamy in Colorado and Utah, where they've taken young girls and married them off early. And 
that's abusive. And I think we need to stand up and say, no, that's wrong. Um, so I think right. there are some traditions within different religions, including our own, that are not healthy, that need to be held out. Um, I'm also thinking of, a, of a clergy abuse, right. where clergy <clears throat> had so much power that they were using that power to abuse others um, physically and sexually. And I think yeah. that, in a tradition of being quiet, needs to say, no, we need to stand up against that. And, I, and in a way, that had been a tradition. Mm. And not just one denomination, folks. It's all of them have had that problem. So... Yeah, I haven't, I haven't. I think that's a really good point, Pastor Tim. I, I haven't thought of that as a, um, in my initial thought, as a tradition. But I think in some cases, it's, it's for better or for worse, been allowed to happen that it that it, that it is can be considered a tradition. And obviously, we need to speak against those too. So I think those areas of religion that are life giving, no matter what the religion is, we lift up that are that that are uh, mirrors of the spirit, but those that are life taking. Um, mirrors of evil, we need to call out no matter what religion it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think, again, you know, with humbleness and humility in the sense that we know that um, whatever religion it is, a religion and the traditions around religion are human. Yes. yes. Right, and they're uh, poss- certainly, hopefully, a reflection of God's love for creation. Yes. But they are human and uh, fraught with all of the brokenness that we humans carry with us. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Yeah. Good? Yeah. All right. All right, Mel, get a, get a little lighthearted one, maybe. You want to try it one more time for us? All right, perfect. Here we go. That does seem like a That's picture. a great breaststroke. Mal's trying to go for two oh of them boy. here. Yeah. I don't know. Let's see what's he doing there. All right, now, <laughs> there, now I think he's good. All right, he here he comes. He did that last time. Yeah, I know. Got it on the s- <laughs> There oh, we no. go. Thank you very much, Mel. Thank you, Mel. Bye, Mel. Okay, all right, my turn to read. All right. This was something that was overheard. If there were no evil, there would be no good, for good is the counterpart of evil. Your thoughts. If there were no evil, there would be no good, for good is the counterpart of evil. Thanks for uh, having me be the one to start this one, huh? You get some. You get a treat after this, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Working to the recipes. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I. Mind. I feel like for all three of these questions, I've kind of taken the gray area. <laughs> um, so, I guess I'm going to throw this out here and and uh, want to hear your responses to what I'm throwing out because I'm thinking all out. Sure. Um, you, you know, I'm 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 thinking about a candle, and um, so I. I relate to the, the first part of the book of John, like that idea of Jesus being the, the light of the world and the light that darkness cannot overcome. Um, that's that's just imagery that um, has been influential in my life. And so when I think about um, if a room's really dark, um, a candle makes a big difference. And if a room is um, bright, like a candle, you don't ne- necessarily notice the difference a candle makes. Um, and so part of me is thinking like, if, if Jesus is related to 
a light in the darkness. It's acknowledging that there is a darkness for the light to enter. Um, where I'm struggling is making a for sure statement saying that goodness wouldn't exist without evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and honestly, that's where I'm landing right now. I was just like totally thinking out loud on it. Uh, hopefully some other thoughts will come in a minute here. <laughs> I'm thinking back to the garden story. And before the fall, those were air quotes for those who are listening. Yes. <laughs> um, there was no knowledge of good and evil. So... Is it our, and I don't want to say, I don't want to discount evil and good, but part of what we call evil is it evil because we call it thus. I don't, I'm thinking out loud here too. Um, Can there be good without evil? Can there be love without hate? Um, I think there can be. I think that's what eternity is, living in the eternal life, is trying to live in that goodness. Um, but we're in the broken humanity, so there's still our brokenness. So I think one day we may experience goodness without evil, but I can't fathom, but I, I don't know if it's an exact correlation. And I think, like, when you were saying that, I just thought our human experience has hate and evil. And so for, for us, we think of you know, this goodness overcoming evil or light overcoming darkness or love being louder than hate because we experience these things and then it's response to it, perhaps. So, um, but we also say hate is learned. You know, prejudice and and racism is is a learned trait. Yeah, so I think... um, uh, one of the things that we point to when we look at um, what the Enlightenment did to Christianity, right, was really reinforce this I- idea of dualistic thought. Mm. Um, and, and not everybody has it, but we have it in spades. <laughs> right? We are literally, we are washed in it. We are, it is right. in our embryotic fluid. Embryo, amb- yeah, amb- yeah, I think so. Embryonic fluid, is that? Even goes back to let's the go Greek theology before the Enlightenment of it, that. It does, right. yeah. Enlightenment kind of you know reinforces some of that, but 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 this idea of this dualism, right? And um and I, and I think that our human experience, we frame it that way, but there also is something to it as well, like you said, like there are these things that exist, um, but I think uh, in God there is no dark or light, there is no good or evil. God is God, the ultimate the ultimate mm-hmm. good and, and whatever, whatever that means, you know, we can also make an argument of, of, of what does good even, what does good really mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, why do you call me good? Right. Exactly. Um, uh, what is, when you, when we really go deep on what holy is, holy isn't always what you and I would think of as good. Right. right. Because holy H O L Y is holy W H O L L Y other. Right. And we can't, we can't predict, we can't know. And sometimes, sometimes holy uh, doesn't look like what we think of as good. So um, again, a little humility with like what Pastor Tim, what you were saying. Um, yeah. Is it, is it evil 
Or is it just our perception? Because we all know this, right? There's examples mm-hmm. of something being evil, but to someone else it was good, right? right? Or um, like when we think about, you know, the uh, manifest destiny, like to white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, it seems like a really good idea. You know, to Native peoples, it's, it's a really, really evil thing. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it, it, yeah, right. and, and of course, you know, it was. But but the perception is also reality sometimes, you know. So, mm. um, yeah, I think the, the question is in questioning the dualism. It's really yeah. difficult, and that's why I love it, right? Because yeah. you can feel how difficult that is in yeah. your brain, so you know that you're doing some good work when you're and, questioning the dualism. And, and in a way, when we decide... Yeah. When we decide good or evil, we're declaring that we're the winners. Yeah. Because that's who gets to decide that's right. what's right and wrong. It is mm-hmm. who says what's it good and what's evil. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, that was a good one to... Um, I think that leads right into apple pudding. What do you I guys mean, think obviously. about that? <laughs> I think so, too. So each week we have a different cookbook. Um, a lot of them are from here, from St. Luke's Lutheran Church cookbooks from uh, way back as far as uh, 1921. Um, also, we have cookbooks from other churches, but just any kind of church cookbook. Today, um, I cooked a recipe out of the St. Luke's ALCW. That's the women of the ALC cookbook from 1976. And this recipe happens to be from my great-grandmother, Frida Groth. Uh, she made this recipe called apple pudding. For the record, I have, even though I knew my great-grandma really well, I was married when she died. Um, I don't ever remember this, her making this. So it's, it's brand right. new for all of us. Once it was published, she never made it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly. So it's, it's really like butter, sugar, apples, baking soda. I'm, yeah, baking soda. A little bit of salt. I already said sugar, right? Because there's like lots of sugar in it. Well, it's from 1976, right? (laughs) It's from 1976. And then we put a little, you gotta put a little, that was a good sound, whipped cream on top. disclosure i made this yesterday so maybe it's supposed to be warm it didn't say okay, okay for, for everybody listening cream. this needs to be said out loud i would say that <laughs> pastor tim went. his opinion on the pudding is not valid because yeah. he's mostly eating whipped cream <laughs> yeah the, the <laughs> very good <laughs> oh okay oh it's got nuts in it too i forgot about that I don't know. I feel like I've never eaten anything that tasted like this before. It's not cake, is it? It's not really cakey. No. Nope. I like mean, a, I guess it's like a coffee cake. But it, but there's no cake like texture, is there? I mean, it's kind of mushy. I guess it's like not pudding, necessarily right? More like, like bread pudding. But not like the consistency doesn't really fit bread pudding quite. Though. It doesn't. It's a really strange consistent. Not bad. So, so if I'm I can, gonna, oh, if I can chime in for a second, yes, I think it's really funny that we had a conversation yesterday that you hate oatmeal cookies. This is this what has, I was just going to say. It tastes a lot like an oatmeal raisin cookie to me. Really? Yeah. yeah. But there's no raisins in it, thank God. But there are pecans. <laughs> okay, I can get that really though. Good. Yeah, I, it's like, like a bl- like our blondie, a little yeah. bit like of that flavor too, like that oatmeal cookie. Like if yeah. one of my favorite oatmeal cookies is one that is slightly undercooked oh and i think with that's this, i think that's where i'm going like with this but the crust i think is the best the texture is a yeah the crust is good the texture is a little bit like an underbaked cookie mm-hmm. yeah you're right but it, it is fully baked um okay i will give it 
Oh, isn't it? It's hard for me, right? Because it's my relative who. who just oh yeah, because you said who made so it. I pretty much have to give it five stars. Five stars for me. Um, I'm, I'm, four, but like a really big four. <laughs> Are we allowed to go halves? I think so. I'd go four and a half. I really would. You know, I would make this and I would eat it. <laughs> and I would die younger. <laughs> so I, I have to give it a five. I really no, enjoyed it. It was right, good. good. And it wasn't my gra- great-grandma. I, I enjoyed it. It was really. It reminds me of stuff that I ate when I was a child. Yeah, which, 1976. Oh, we weren't younger. I was a teenager then, not a child. But that's a okay. Teenager. We'll take that. Keep it going. <laughs> keep, what do you keep think, Doug? Four and a half oatmeal raisin cookies okay. out of five. Yeah. Now, okay. okay, let me ask you this. Would you, if you were going to make this, put raisins in it? I would consider it. <gasps> I would consider it. Mm-hmm. I would, I think I would try it. I really would. All right. I think it would be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but I do understand it. But I, not in the sense of it needing to be made better, strictly because it reminded me of one of my favorite things. Okay. But not to like make it to better. Make it better. Right. I do admit that it's texture. You would not be surprised to find a raisin in there. Right. Right. It would be expected. I could see other fruit, dry fruit, being put into that. Oh, that my would gosh, be no. <laughs> like a dried mango would be really good. <laughs> such, a, such a horrible thing to do to a dessert. <laughs> uh, which takes us just seamlessly right to our God moment. Right. <laughs> Jay, did you have a, a God moment that you'd like to share with us today yeah actually um you know i'm i'm gonna have a a sense of vulnerability here to to share my god moment is um in this this day this moment that we are um recording this podcast um i I legitimately came came in pretty uh frazzled and and uh doug our producer um literally said like i saw the (laughs) frazzled nature um and um and not necessarily from anything bad, just like just feeling it all, right? And um, my God moment actually happened um, during our conversations um, of just realizing, like, even though, yeah, like when we leave this room, some of that stuff's still there. But like, I say to youth a lot, like, God meets you where you're at, and then when the things that you like say and preach hit you like in the face in a good way um that god literally met me where i was at in these conversations um that is my god moment of just like the conversations themselves um giving me some perspective on on um the world around me so yeah thank god for that thank you mel nice yeah, questions thanks. good job mel no, they were intense questions were. Yeah. i had some thoughts about mel on the on, on the second one there i was like i don't know if i'll answer this but it was <laughs> it, um but it was good like to just think process the world of of a god that's just so much bigger than us and that perspective is scary but helpful at the same time sometimes very especially when you're all stuck up in your head yeah and like you know yeah Yeah. all of a sudden it's that a little bit of grounding yeah yeah microphones yeah the micro these microphones do something to us very grounding very grounding God moment or, or send? Um, we just do one, don't we? Yep, we yeah. just do one. <laughs> so uh, thank you for journeying to the well with us. Wonderful to have you. Yes. Thank you. Go in peace and serve the Lord.
The Well is a podcast of St. Luke's ELCA in Middleton, Wisconsin. You can follow for new episodes airing every other Thursday on St. Luke's website or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to drop a question in The Well, you can dive over to stluke's-elca.org slash thewell to submit your questions there. The Well is sponsored by St. Luke's Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to leaving a legacy for future generations. You can learn more at stluke's-elca.org slash foundation. The Well is produced by Doug Castle and edited by Ariana Viscara. Thanks for listening, and we'll meet you next time here at The Well. Was it to not thanks be to God that? <laughs> I'm still choking on it. I put way too much it's whipped cream on there. that. <laughs> oh my God. I well, did it yeah. for the sound. It was great <laughs> sound. It was crazy. <laughs>